The message you're about to listen to is produced by CRIC Media. All right. We are going to be looking at principles of self-leadership. Principles of self-leadership. There are certain things I've come to learn from the Word of God that if you don't know how to lead yourself well, no matter what you do, your work will not reach its full impact, its full glory. And as a leader or a minister called of God, there are certain things you've got to do well, which is lead yourself well. First of all, I want us to look at Proverbs 16, verse 32. It says, he who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. You see that? He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. He who rules his spirit, then he who takes a city. That means the better leader is the one who leads himself well. You see that? So as a child of God, you need to start investing in yourself. Developing yourself, developing your character. Because character is the foundation for enduring leadership. You can write that down. Character is the foundation for enduring leadership. In Proverbs 25, verse 28, Proverbs 25, verse 28, whoever has no rule over his spirit is like a city broken down without walls. It's important that you know that if you're going to excel in any field, you must lead yourself well. Self-discipline is indispensable when it comes to success. Self-discipline is indispensable when it comes to success. Testament 3, beginning from verse 1. This is the faithful saying, if a man desires the position of a bishop. Now, the word bishop, episcopus, refers to an overseer. It refers to someone who manages people or a project. So this will apply to any field of endeavor. It says, if a man desires the office of a bishop, he desires a good work. You see that? He desires a good work. Then he says, a bishop then must be blameless. In other words, above reproach. Which means the first requirement for a leader in the body of Christ... His character. He said a bishop then must be blameless. The husband of one wife. Then he says temperate. In other words, self-control. Sober-minded. See, sober-minded. Someone that's not a joker. You know, someone that's not a joker. Sober-minded. Hallelujah. Then he says, of good behavior, hospitable, someone that welcomes people, loving and kind person, welcomes people into their homes, able to teach, not given to wine. In other words, not addicted to wine. You see, character is contagious. You better know that. Because as a leader, you are the first example that your people see. In fact, you are the embodiment of what is allowed. 
You are the embodiment of what is acceptable. So we need to get this into our thinking. That I cannot do one thing and demand another thing from my people. You see that? I cannot do one thing and demand another thing from my people. It doesn't work that way. Because the leader is an example. Jesus Christ, the greatest leader of all time, he left us an example to follow in his steps. Amen? He left us an example to follow in his steps. In fact, in Matthew 4, 19, he said, Follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. All right? He says, Follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. In First Peter 2, 21, it says, For this... For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. You see that? He left us an example. Now, let me just throw this in. Who is a leader? A leader is someone others are willing to follow. A leader is someone others are willing to follow. A leader is someone others are willing to follow. So if you are a leader, you have to know that you have to embody what you expect. Embody what you expect. Hallelujah. It says, for this, for to this you were called, because Christ also suffered, leaving us an example. See, leaving us a pattern. Because the leader is the pattern for the group. The leader is the, 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 leader is the pattern for the group. The leader is the pattern. For the group. Whatever you don't want to see in your people, don't do it as a leader. You see that? And that's why we have a ministry where people don't steal. People don't do such things amongst us, if you've ever been amongst us. See? Because a leader is someone others are willing to follow. So, you've got to take note of that. All right, let's go to First Timothy 3 once again. It says, not given to wine, not addicted to wine. See? Not addicted to wine. Very important. Because whatever you embody as a leader, your people will emulate. Whatever you embody as a leader, your people will emulate. Then it says, not violent. Not violent. The word here is not quarrelsome or striker. Not a striker. Somebody who is quick to fight. You see that? Someone who is quick to fight. Not violent. Not greedy for many. And these are things you need to look out for when you're choosing leaders. But gentle. Not quarrelsome. Not covetous. Coming back again to things like greed. Greed for money. Then he says, one who rules is 
own house well. Now, this tells you that the home is the first test of your leadership. Your home is the first test of your leadership ability. Your home is the first test. Of your leadership ability. Your home is the first test. The first test of your leadership ability. I remember talking to a politician one time. He wanted to leave his wife. And um, he called me. So when he called me, I told him he could not leave his wife. And he was giving me all kinds of reasons. He's going to walk away from me. I said, hey, hey, listen to me. I said, you're a politician. I said, in your house, you have two votes. I said, if in your house, you've already lost one vote, that should tell you something. And he never thought about it. And if he's not able to influence his wife, and win her is unfit to leave. Mark Allegosh. He stayed with his wife. They are still together till today. Another one called on another time. If I was a wife that came at first and reported the man and um, that he wanted to leave her, so we called for the man. They came to see me. And he said he's going to leave his wife. I said, You are a politician, ain't you? And said, in your house, you have two votes. The two of you are the only ones above 18 in your house. And so you've already lost one vote. He never saw that. See, he says, one who rules his own house well. So, the first test of your leadership is your house. And that's why the Lord, when he began training me for ministry, one thing he made me see was, son, it is God first, then wife, then children before the people. You see that? God first, then wife, then children before the people. And amazingly, that's exactly what God told younger children. Dr. David Youngbichu. God told him, he said this, he said, he should start giving time to his wife. He was very busy with the work of the ministry. And Dr. David Youngbichu was giving God reasons why he should be so serious and neglect family. And God told him something. He said, this is the order. God first, wife next, children then the people. And he said, I said, to, I said to the Lord, that's American spirit. The Lord said, what will happen to your ministry if you win the whole world and you lose your home? What kind of picture will you give to the world? You see that? So what the Lord told me, and when I learned from Dr. David Young Joe, knocked my mind. See? Then, if you observe Kenneth T. Hagin, 
Whenever he's at home, guess what? He prepares breakfast in bed for his wife. Whenever he's at home. And when they do the dishes, he and his wife will do the dishes. Think about that. His legacy lives on. See? There are people like Billy Sunday, great man of God, Billy Sunday. But his two sons died as unbelievers. See, your, your home, your home, we're looking at the principles of self-leadership. One who rules his own house well, having his children in submission without reverence. The first test of your leadership ability is your home. If you succeed at home, you will succeed anywhere. You see that? If you succeed at home, you will succeed anywhere. Are you aware that Joel Osteen's father, Joel Osteen's father, would go to the ball games to watch his son play? See, it is easier to influence those who know you love them. You see that? It is easier to influence those who know you love them. His father would go to the games with his suit, and he told his father, he said, Daddy, Daddy, please, don't wear a suit next time you're coming. He said, the father now tried to wear um, um, like a sportswear and a short and with long stockings, you know, the way you dress a suit, and um, formal shoes. But today we have Joel Osteen, one of the foremost ministers in America. One who rules his own house well. Having his children in submission with all reverence. Next, verse 5. And by the way, all the Joel Osteen, all the Osteen children are in ministry. It says, for if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? So one thing we must look at when selecting people for ministry, when training people for ministry, is the home. If husbands and wives are always fighting, then that individual cannot be a deacon in your church. See that? Cannot be a pastor in your church. Because the strife in the home, don't forget the church in their house, right? The strife in the home will be manifest in the church. See that? Because your church is an extension of your home. You see that? Your church will be an extension of your home. And remember when David Yonggicho's church or wife told him and said, I wish you would be as sweet to me at home the way you are sweet to the people on the altar. You see that? Charity begins at home. Are we together? First Timothy 3 verse 6. Watch this. Not a novice, a neophyte, a new convert. Lest being puffed up with pride, you fall into the same condemnation as the devil. See, don't entrust people to authority when they are very unlearned, unexposed. It says they can be puffed up with pride. See that? I tell my pastors, and somebody like, why do you like carrying your Bible yourself? I said, hey, I carry my Bible myself. I said, because the people around me are not my slaves. 
I can give it to them. There's nothing wrong with that. But I want the younger ones to learn that ministry is not about power. It's not about a pump. It's about service. The board you see behind me, I lifted the board there and kept it myself. I could have sent them. But I knew, okay, they're doing other things. There's a period of lockdown. So I picked it myself. It didn't take anything away from me. See? But when you feel that it's all about the authority, all about power, anyone I see some of these younger pastors under us, maybe, you know, send everybody, boss everybody around, I can tell the one who wouldn't go far. See? But the ones that have a heart to serve, they have big churches. You see that? They have big churches. Verse 7. It says, moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside, lest they fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. In other words, he says, whoever you're choosing must have a good report. It was someone that has a good name. You see that? That's what's important. Now we see, when Paul is talking about people being called to, or, or engaged, or employed, or given the opportunity to serve, in the house of God, it puts character first. You see that? Character first. We're looking at the principles of self-leadership. All right? And I want us to see it in the word of God first. Then we'll look at the principles we need to apply in our lives. All right? First Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. 1 Corinthians 9, 24. It says, do you not know that those who run in a race all run? See, do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. In other words, there are rules of engagement. See, that's why we're looking at the principles of self-leadership. Watch this. It says, everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. In other words, everyone who competes to win is self-disciplined, has self-control. You see that? I never eat to my full. I learned that from Kennedy Hagen to live a fasted life. See, and that's different from when I'm fasted. See, I don't eat and eat and eat and eat and eat. Oh, I've never had this. No, 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 no. Everyone who competes for the prize is tempering all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we an imperishable crown. And that was the reason where. Living a life of self-restraint is for the crown. You see that? The Bible says you should not let another person take your crown. That means it's possible for another person to take your crown. Jesus said that in the book of Revelation. Now look at this, Revelation. Look at this, verse 26. Therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty, thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. You see, not as one who beats the air. But I discipline my body, he says, and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself become what? Disqualified. See, I myself become disqualified. So it's possible to be disqualified after you preach to others. So the way we can maintain our calling and make our calling and election sure We've got to have character. See, we've got to have character. Very important, like I like to say. All right. 
First Timothy 4, verse 12. It says, Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. So the onus is on you as a leader to be an example of good character in word, in the way you talk. You don't use vulgarity. In conduct, your behavior, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. See, a leader has to have moral credibility. See, it's indispensable to leadership. Because without character, you lack credibility. See, character gives credibility to your leadership. Character gives credibility to your leadership. All right. I want to show you something here. Second Timothy 2. And look at what Paul told Timothy, reading from verse 3. It says, You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Christ. You see that? You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Christ. See? Endure hardship as a good soldier of Christ. Then he says, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life. That he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Let me share this with you. I got a report of a pastor and, um, who is supposed to be a son to me, so to say, in the ministry. And um, somebody saw him at a burial. And they said he was dancing Owigiri. Owigiri is a local dance here. And in the barrier, he was dancing and dancing. People saw him, and they were offended because they expected a pastor to conduct himself differently. See? So you've got to understand as a leader, people are seeing you in a place on a high pedestal. People expect the highest standard of quality and character from you. Look at verse 5. And also, if anyone competes in athletics, in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. And that's why we want to look at the principles of self-leadership. What is the principle? Number one, a principle is a universal law. A principle is a universal law. A fundamental truth or a fundamental law. In other words, a principle is a, is a law that will work anywhere in any field. A principle is a broad basic truth or a universal doctrine. So when we're looking at principle, we're looking at what will work for anyone, what will work for anyone, what will work for anyone. That's the principle. Let's look at this. What are the principles? What are the things I need to do as a leader? We spoke earlier that 
you must have self-discipline. Self-discipline. That's First Corinthians 9, 24 to 27. And 2 Corinthians 2, 3 to 7. You must have self-discipline. Number two, self-motivation. A leader should be able to motivate himself, encourage himself. 1 Samuel 30, verse 6. 1 Samuel 30, verse 6. Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was discouraged. Now watch this. As a leader, you cannot depend on the people for encouragement. You cannot depend on the people for encouragement. So you have to be able to encourage yourself. You cannot depend on the people for encouragement. Because when the people are discouraged, like you see in Numbers 21, reading from verse 4 downwards, the people were discouraged. See, Numbers 21, look at this. It says, Then they journeyed from Mount Hall by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom, and the soul of people became discouraged because on the way. They became very discouraged. So you can't depend on the people for encouragement. You must learn to encourage yourself or have a network of friends that encourage you. You cannot rely on the people for encouragement. The Bible says the people were grieved in First Samuel 30 verse 6. They were grieved. And every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord is God. Give it to me in the old King James. David encouraged himself. David encouraged himself. You need to know how to encourage yourself as a leader. See, you should be able to encourage yourself. All right, that's important. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 9, verse 15. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 15. It says, But I've used none of these things, nor have I written these things that it should be done so to me, for it would be better for me to die than, to, than, than that anyone should make my boast in void. It says, for if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast, for, boast of, for necessity is laid of me. Yes, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel, for, I don't, I, for if I do this willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, I have been entrusted with a stewardship. See, the man could encourage himself to do what he wanted to do, willingly and against his will. So every leader must know how to encourage themselves. We say, number one, self-discipline. You should be able to call yourself to order, self-restraint, self-motivation. Number three, self-development. Every leader must consider self-development. In other words, training yourself, investing yourself. Because hear me, the greatest investment you can ever make is investing in yourself. Don't wait for others to invest in you. Don't wait for others to buy you books. If I waited for others to buy me books, I would not be where I am today. You see that? And I have a lot of books. There are some of you who you want to borrow books from this person, borrow books from that person. Hey, invest in yourself. 
See, your own prayer life, your own study life, invest in yourself. In John 8, verse 30, the Bible says, as he spoke, this was many believed in him, verse 31. It says, then Jesus said to the Jews who believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. In other words, if you continue in my word, you are my students indeed. Verse 32 says, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Notice, you have to continue in the word. And when you continue the word, you know the truth, and you're free. You see that? Hear me. And you hear me well. Your private victories become, or your personal victories become the public heritage of those under your authority. Your private victories or your personal victories become the public heritage of those under your authority. So as a leader, you must learn to have private, personal victory. Victory over, over sleep, victory over food, victory over sex, victory, you need that private victory. Becomes the public heritage of those under your authority. You see that? It says, if you continue my word, it says, and you shall, then you shall be my disciples. Indeed, if you continue, if you may know, if you abide, if you stay in there, self-development. Every great leader has been a man or woman who consistently invested in themselves. In James 1 verse 25, the Bible says, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, he, personal, and he's not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. It says, this one will be blessed in what he does. Notice that this one, self-development. Number four, self-examination. Self-examination. In 2 Corinthians 13 verse 5, Paul told them to examine themselves whether they were still in the faith. He said, examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you are disqualified? Examine yourself. So you are a pastor. Examine yourself. Are you supposed to be scared? Examine yourself. Is this right to be intimidated? Because you ought to be an embodiment of courage, an embodiment of faith, an embodiment of life. Examine yourself. Self-examination. In 1 Corinthians 11, 28, NIV, it says, A man ought to examine himself before he eats the bread and drinks of the cup. A man ought to examine himself, examination. See, when you listen to yourself, don't just say you have great faith. Listen to yourself. You see that? Listen, listen, listen to yourself. Jesus said, If you have faith, you shall say unto this mountain. In Matthew 17, verse 20. They said, why could not we cast him out? Matthew 17, verse 19. Why, why couldn't you cast out the devil? Why couldn't you cast it out? Jesus said, because of your unbelief. Then he says, if you have faith, as a good of Moses said, you shall say. See, you shall say. New King James says, you will say to this mountain. In other words, listen to yourself. When you hear what you are saying, you can tell whether you are in faith. Examine yourself. You see that? Examine you. You are the leader. Because your people are looking at you. 
Because a leader is a lead. The people under you can rise above that lead you set. See? Because whoever you're following is an embodiment of your future. See? Whoever you're following. So, you as a leader, listen, li listen to yourself. If you were a member, will you go to your church? See that? Will you go to your church? So examine yourself. Next. Self-belief. Self-belief. A leader should be able to believe in himself. He needs to believe in his calling. Do you believe in yourself? You want others to believe in you. Believe in you. I like the Apostle Paul. In Galatians 1 verse 1. I like the way he talks. I like it. He says, Paul. Galatians 1 1. Paul. He says, an apostle. Let me read it to you. Galatians 1 verse 1. Listen to this. It says, Paul, an apostle. Not of men. Nor through man. He believed in his calling. Now watch this. In Paul's day, there were at first 12 apostles because Judas had been replaced by Matthias. When Paul was commissioned to be an apostle, he was commissioned by his friends. They were colleagues in the church at Antioch in Acts 13. You see that? So, it is easy for Paul to say, oh, if it was Peter that laid hands on me, then I'm really called. If it was James that laid hands on me, then I'm really called. If it was Matthew that laid hands on me, then I'm really called. It says, Paul, an apostle. It says, not of men, nor through men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, Matrophilica 5. He knew he was called. Self-belief. Do you believe in yourself? Do you believe in your calling? I believe in my calling. I know the God that called me. I know the encounters I've had with God. I know it. So, you may call me. Um, some will say, uh, you're a pastor, not an apostle. I don't care what you call me. See, I'm an apostle. And I pastor a church. See, because I'm a shepherd. I'm, a, I'm, I'm, an, I'm an elder, so to say. I feed the people. See, Peter spoke in First Peter 5. said he's also an elder. And he told those, the, the, the elders was talking in First Peter 5, 1 to 4. He said they should feed the flock of God. They should shepherd the flock of God. He used the word poimano. See, poimano. Vessel, to pastor them. So it doesn't matter what you call me. Some call me uh, Wally. It doesn't matter. Some say, you are not David. You are Wally Fessel. It doesn't matter. You see, when you believe in your calling, do you know what they said to Jesus? Is, is it on Mary's son? He? The carpenter. We have his brothers. We have his sisters amongst us. He's here forming that he's Messiah. Who is he? Do you believe in your calling? Do you believe in your calling? 
I believe in my calling. Do you believe in your calling? You know, there are pastors who maybe the, the, the calling to the ministry, they'll go and beg their brothers who are rich and say, you know, brother, you know, it's because God has called me. You know how intelligent I am. I would have been rich too, but you know the calling. Please help me, help my wife, and all. Hey, 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 hey. Whenever you do that as a pastor, you renounce the provisions of God. See, you need to understand when God calls you, He called you to be a model, He called you to attract people to come and serve Him. And if God doesn't take care of you, is he irresponsible? Why do people want to work in oil companies? They take care of their staff. You see that? Why do people want to travel abroad to other nations? Because they see the way they take care of their citizens. See? Look at what's happening in some countries in Europe. What they give to them is about 350,000 naira. No, think of Nigerians there receiving over 300,000 naira. And they give it to you, possibly every month, however they are doing it. You, want, you will never want to come to Nigeria. Even if you sleep and see yourself in Nigeria, you will wake up. They believe in those countries. You meet Nigerians and say, wow, so you're a Nigerian. You say, they tell you, they used to be Nigerians. Now they are citizens of the country. They have, their, they have the passport of the country that they are citizens. So they, they don't see themselves as Nigerian. In fact, they don't, they don't want to be associated with Nigeria. You know why? Because they believe it is better to be a citizen of that country than Nigeria. I'm in Nigeria. I have a Nigerian passport. And I'm not envying any other passport. We will make Nigeria attractive to others. Amen? will make Nigeria attractive to others. At least people have traveled to Bayelsa from other countries. So you need to believe in your calling. As a pastor, when God called you, he called you to make, to make Christianity attractive. So you don't say, uh, you know, uh, it's the calling now. You know, it's, hey. Let me say this. And you understand it's better. When you serve with the Roman army, you have certain privileges. See, you have certain privileges. So, as a Roman, then, when you find a Jew or someone that is in other, where the Romans are, during the Roman occupation of many territories, he would tell the person, if you're carrying a bag, to carry your bag for one mile. That's why Jesus said, if anybody asks you to carry, to carry his baggage for one mile, say, go with him to another, do it two miles. You see that? So, he, he knew, he believed he had the right. Over those, the Romans had put them over. All right? Now, that's a negative example, but I just want to show you that. He believed he could tell the other person. Do you believe in your calling? That God that called you would take care of you. Do you, do you believe in it? Do you be, See, I like the way Paul talks. See, he's, he's one of my favorite apostles, and I'm sure he's, he's one of yours too. When you read 1 Corinthians 9, and um, let's begin from verse 
Let's begin from verse 1. Look at Paul. Look at Paul. You know, he's trying to defend his apostleship. Say, am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Am I not saying Jesus Christ our Lord? Are you not my work in the Lord? See, he believed in his work. He believed in his calling. Next, self-belief. If I'm not an apostle to others, yet doubtless I am to you. For you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. Next. My defense to those who examine me is this. Next. Do we have no right to eat and drink? So as a pastor, you have a right to feeding allowance. The Lord Jesus Christ will take care of your feeding. Do we have no right to eat and drink, he says, verse 5. Do we have no right to take along a believing wife? As the other, the other apostles, the brothers of the Lord and Cephas. Now, I want to share something that many people have not seen here. Many people do not know that Peter used to travel with his wife. Hmm. I know you, it, it just caught you. You never saw that. He says, do, you, do we have no right to take along a believing wife as the other, the other apostles? They were, taking, they were taking care of Peter and his wife. So those apostles were married, the brothers of the Lord, and Cephas, Cephas, that's Peter. Now, I want you to give me verse 4 and 5 in NLT, then after that in the MSG. I want, them, I want everyone to see this. So, do we have no right to live in your homes and share your meals? Next. Don't we have the right to bring a Christian wife with us? So you can see that when the apostles traveled, they traveled with their wives. So as a minister, learn to travel with your wife. It's like we have very little children. See, that's why we're talking about family. Do, don't we have the right to bring a Christian wife with us as the other apostles and the lost brothers do and as Peter does? So Peter travels with his wife. Many of you are going to minister. You want to go alone. Go with your wife. It gives greater credibility. See that? See, we need to do ministry the way God wants us to do it. And the, the Bible is the pattern. The Bible is the pattern. Someone says, but Jesus did not travel with his wife. He had none. Paul did not travel with his wife. He had none. That's why I said, don't we have the right to bring a Christian wife with us? As the other disciples and the Lord's brothers do? As Peter does? Now give me four and five in the message translation. So, now, let me say this here. Let me clarify. If your wife has a job and you're traveling to another country, I'm not saying you should take your wife uh, to leave her job. What I'm trying to say, if your wife is in ministry, it's important you travel together. See, that's the Bible way. Except she has a job and you have little children. But if you know that both of you are in the ministry, travel with your spouse. You see, that's what Miles Murrow did for the most part. He travels with his wife. That's God's way. See, in 1 Corinthians 9 verse 4, it says, We who are on missionary assignments for God have a right to decent accommodations. See, it is when you, you believe in this calling, you know what you ought to function in. We have a right to decent accommodations. Verse 5. We have a right to support, a right to support for us and our families. You don't seem to have raised questions with the other apostles and our master's brothers and Peter in these matters. You see that? So this is very important, that you believe in your calling. Paul believed in his calling. And he had results. He had results. 
Look at verse 6 and 7, your new King James, please. Or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from walking? See, you, you have a right, a right to refrain from walking. Now, Paul wasn't walking so he could eat. Paul was walking so he could be an example. Paul was walking so he would not be a burden. But there are many people who God has called to full-time ministry. They are walking because they, they, they got no faith God provides. So they have less time for the work of the ministry. See, so how, how will you now handle the work you're doing now that you can't go to work or do your business? See, so you must learn that God has raised you to be a witness, to be a light. That serving him is not a reproach. No matter how, 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 how difficult the beginning, the beginning is. When I got born again and was called into ministry, in my early days, there were a lot of challenges. I had no chairs in my house. No chairs. Think about that. I know what it means to live in an uncompleted building. Yeah, yours truly. It was only a passing phase. I'll never forget when I got to Bielsa, there's a young man that were helping us build the house. And um, when I got to that, because we rented the property, we paid the landlord, and finally, um, when he came for us to move in, he said, we should move in like that and finish the house. That's how I moved in and completed the building. Now watch this. When we were living in the house, a young man was cementing the floors because a part of the house was not floored. I told him, I said, watch me in this city. I said, very shortly, I will pastor one of the largest churches in the city. And I will live in one of the biggest houses in the city. I told the young man, he wasn't even a member of the church then. So finally, he joined our church. When I moved to the first place we're living, after we moved from that from our building, he came and sat down on the floor and said that he believes what I said. He may be watching right now, Nicholas. That what I said, he has seen it come to pass. I believed in my calling. I believe that my beginning was not my ending. Because though your beginning was small, your latter end should greatly increase. And before we knew it, God has moved us somewhere bigger. See, because you have a right to decent accommodation. God can take care of you. You don't need to lie to people. You don't need to deceive people. God can take care of you. He can, he can take care of you. Look at verse 7, please. Who goes, whoever goes to war at his own expense? Do you know that when you go to war, the, the, the military provides the weapons, they provide the feeding, they provide your uniform? So God is telling you something. He will give you the resources to do the work. He will clothe you and he will feed you. So every minister should know this. The resources for your work, the venue, the accommodation, the clothing... The many you need for the work and for your well-being, he'll give it to you. Who plants a vine and does not eat of its fruit? Who tends a flock and does not drink of the milk of the flock? That's eight. Do I say this as a mere man, or does not the law say the same also? Next. 
For it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain. Is it oxen God is concerned about? Next. Or does he not say it altogether for our sakes? For our sakes, no doubt. For this is written that he who plows shall plow in hope, and he who treasures in hope should be a partaker of his hope. So as a minister, as they are working for God, know there's a reward. Believe in your calling. Self-belief. Paul says, Paul, an apostle, not of men or true men. See? But through Jesus Christ, and God the Father who raised them from the dead. Look at verse 10. Galatians 1.10. So do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I say please men, I will not be a born servant of Christ. Do you, do you see the language? Do you see Paul's language? There was, there's too much confidence in that language. Too much. Hallelujah. Jesus says something in John 8, verse 12. He said, I am the light of the world. He says, he who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. He, he, he believed in who he was. Who did, who did God tell you are? Did God not tell you you would touch the nations of the earth? Did God not tell you that you, you, your, your ministry will impact this country? Did God not tell you that the ends of the earth will hear the message it gave you? Then why are you walking and with your head down as though you have no future? The Bible says you should, be, you should trash in hope. Believe that what God told you will come to pass. Self-belief. Look at verse 13, please. The Pharisees therefore said, you bear witness of yourself. Your witness is not true. Do you see that? See, Jesus believed in himself. He said, you bear witness of yourself. Your witness is not true. Believe in yourself. Look at what he said. Verse 14. Jesus answered and said, if I bear witness of myself, my witness is true. For I know where I, am coming, I came from and, I, and where I'm going. But you don't know where I, 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 I came from and where I'm going. You don't know where I came from. So the individual doesn't know what God told you. And hear me, we must judge what you're saying God told you with the line of the word of God. If it's the line of the word, then leave it. See that? When I came to Bielsa, there are many pastors who, young pastors who said, um, it's better I go back to Benin because they say this is the end of my ministry because of the fact that uh, I'm coming from a bigger city and coming to Yenagua and they gave me all the discouragement. I said, God sent me here. And you know that the infrastructure for a kind of ministry, I, don't, I said, God sent me here. And now you're watching me anywhere in the world from one of the smallest states in Nigeria. It's called Bielsa. People have traveled from many nations to be here, from Cameroon. Think about that. From South Africa, from the UK, from the US to name a few. They've come here. We, we just got an airport recently. We never had an airport. So if you're coming to um, Bayosa, you, you will stop in Port Harcourt and our team will go pick them from Port Harcourt and bring them here. Think about that. So if God called you, believe it. I believe Bayosa will become one of the most glorious lands in this country. I believe it. If God called me here, there's a reason why he sent me here. See, there's a reason why he sent me here. And I say this to anybody else I'm watching. This, our land. God has his hand on this land. 
And I know what I'm talking about. God has his hand on this land. Yeah. See, I believe in my calling. God made me know anyone that comes against me or goes after me is going to die. That's what he told me. You see that? And we got a report some people went did something to one of our properties. We heard that the, the two men slept and never woke up. Don't think about that. They never woke up. They just slept and never woke up. Why? They destroyed something that, that our ministry was meeting in. They slept and never woke up. Self-belief. Self-belief. See, you should come to a point, you know, you know who sent you. You know who sent you. When I come to a point and I say, except I'm not sent. Oh, Masakaligia. All of heaven breaks loose. You see things happen. Because I believe in my calling. See that? I believe in my calling. You need to believe in your calling. If God has called you to be a medical doctor, he said you're going to have a big hospital, believe in your calling. If God has called you to be an accountant, and he said you're going to have a large accounting firm or a large auditing firm, believe in your calling. If God said you're going to have orphanages, believe in your calling. Self-belief. Do you know there was a time that Jesus Christ, his disciples, walked away from him? Now think about that. Look at John 6, look at verse 65. John 6, 65. It says, and he said, therefore, have I said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted him by my father. Next. From that time, many of the disciples went back and walked with him no more. Do you know what it means to have thousands and thousands of people just turn away in one service after I preached a message that they could eat his flesh and drink his blood and they walked away from Jesus? What would you do if you are preaching and people just get up and start moving? Some of you, just a little comment on Facebook, you want to change your message. A little thing someone wrote about you, want, don't change your message. If God gave you the message and it's consistent with the word of God, you'll give account on the day of judgment. You can't say, I didn't do it because this person said so. You will give account of yourself. You are responsible. You give account of yourself. So you must believe in your calling. The disciples walked away from him. Look at verse 67. 67. Then Jesus said to the twelve, do you also want to go away? See, do you see this is attitude? Do you also want to go away? 68. Somebody answered to him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Next. Look at this. And also we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. They had a personal revelation of who he was. But look at Jesus' words. Jesus answered and said, did I not choose you, the twelve, and one of you is the devil? Look at Jesus' attitude. He, he did not live based on popular opinion. It lived based on the word. You see, as 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 Manikun Frunkai. Sacre irintrum rustlingare cross kere kringrushniki. No sacre kere kundre kerankankandanga grochikishnishkundrangala. See, when God calls you to do something, people criticize you. They will tell you you will not succeed. If God called you, stay with it. 
Because God's integrity is tied to it. You see that? God's plans have no possibility of failure. God's plans have no possibility of failure. Stay with it if God told you to do it. And before long, God will come true. He will prove himself as the one who sent you. Think about that. I was mocked by my own family. I remember then when my dad would say things like, one day I told that God will help you to stand for me and all that. And then I forget the time that my father was sharing some money. And he gave my sister an amount, my brother an amount. And he called me and said, do you want money? I said, Daddy, if God never put it in your heart to give me money, don't give me. And my father, my own father, appearing is my papa. All right? My papa himself. He no sent me money. Those of you out of the country, my father never sent me a dime from that money. Because I told him, Daddy, if God did not put it in your heart to give me, don't give me. See where I am. I'm a child that has gone through a lot of rejection. Not necessarily from home, so to say, but for my calling's sake. See, when I answered this call, even where I was raised, many spoke against me, thinking I would not succeed. In the university I went to, the same thing. Family, all I had was God. I had to believe in God and believe in the calling, believe in myself. And the God who called me will make his word true. I'm encouraging somebody right now. They're saying you don't know why. You don't know why anybody is not, is not encouraging you. Encourage yourself. Believe in yourself. One time I went to see a minister. And I wanted, to be, I wanted to be a spiritual son. And I went to his office. I sat down and explained to him how I wanted to. When the man was through with me, I knew that there was the only person that can save me now is God. Rejection, rejection, rejection. The stone which the builders rejected. See? So don't turn away from your calling because nobody believes in that thing that God has told you to do. Self-belief. Most of the biggest businesses in the world, when they started it for the most part, nobody believed they would succeed. Most of the biggest ministries, nobody believed they would succeed. Even when you look at the great winner's chapel, there was a time someone told the, the bishop when he was about to start, and said he doesn't believe God has called him. Look at what God has done in Winner's Chapel. Don't give up on your calling. Believe in the calling. Believe in the God who called you. Believe in his grace. Believe in his power. Believe in his ability. Believe. I want you to believe. Child of God, I want you to believe in your calling. God did not make a mistake when he called you. I know what it means to cry and like, Lord, this great vision you've called me to, to carry out. Who do I have? Who do I know? Oh boy, I'll never forget it. The Lord told me. He said, the work I've called you to do, you will finish it. 
He said, this work, I'll finance it. There's none of us, including myself, that can get glory for what God is doing today. None of us. See, self-belief. Very important. First Corinthians 5 is 10. We'll take one more. And then we'll continue tomorrow. Self-supervised. See, it says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. He knew, he knew who he was. By the grace of God, I am what I am. Who are you? What did God tell you? God told you, you will touch the ends of the earth. That's what God told you. Why do you want to give up now? Are you saying God is unfaithful? Are you saying God will not keep his promises? God cannot lie to anyone. There's a testimony I shared with my, my pastors and I, I shared again and again. As the time I was praying, many things were being delayed. And I started reading to the Lord the prophecies he gave me. And I was reading to him. I was reading to him. I was just charging him. This is what you said. This, I was reading the prophecies to him. And I liked the way God said, God... God is too much. That's why I, I like him. I love him, but I like him. It is one to love someone and not to like somebody. I like him. See, I love him and I like him. He said, I have not lied to anyone and I will not start with you. Hear what he said. I have not lied to anyone and I will not start with you. In other words, hey, boy, this is small. He said, I've raised successful people. He started naming names. Think about that. That same God called you. That same God called you, child of God. That same God called you. Whatever God has done for anyone, with anyone, through anyone, in anyone, can be done in you with you, for you, and through you. You're not a misfit. If God chose you, believe in the God who chose you, that he made the right choice. If he said you will live to 80, believe him. Because God will not lie to anyone. Lastly, in this session, when it comes to self-leadership, you need to know that a leader that's leading himself is self-supervised. You don't need to tell someone to tell you to wake up. For instance, I don't even wake up with an alarm. My alarm is in me. I learned that from E.W. Kenyon. E.W. Kenyon taught me that your alarm should be inside of you. You should be disciplined enough to wake up when you want to wake up. Self-supervised. We're looking at the principles of self-leadership. In Genesis 39, verse 11, the Bible said, but it happened about this time when Joseph went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house was inside. He didn't need to be supervised. See, when you're a leader, you don't do things with eye service. I'm going to say it again. When you're a leader, you don't do things with eye service. As a leader, self-supervised. 
is a leader. God can trust him with more. You see that? I don't live right because I'm trying to impress anybody. I live for the audience of one. Joseph went into the house to do his work. Nobody was there. Some of you, if you don't see anybody walking, you won't walk. If you don't see anybody praying, you won't pray. If you don't see anyone fasting, you won't fast. You won't go far that way. Because God needs a man or woman that can encourage himself so others can follow him. See, when the children of Israel were crying, all we are saying, we want water. Hear me. Moses had not drunk water. But yet Moses was not crying with them. Moses had not drunk. He was not crying with them. You see that? He went to the Lord. And the Lord said, go smite the rock. And he went and smote the rock. And water came out. He was a leader. Self-supervised. Do you have to be told what to do? Do you have to be told to pray? Do you have to be told to study? If you need to be told, you are a follower, not a leader. A leader sets the pace. A leader is someone people follow. He sets the pace. That's a leader. When I was on campus, I had no position. I was just doing my thing, serving God. And one day, the most popular boy on campus I was walking and I noticed somebody was walking behind me. So I didn't turn around to see who it was. I was just walking to my hostel, walking to my room. And I got into my room and he came and stood. Because I knew the person was behind me. So I turned and I said, what do you want? And he said, I want to be like you. And I said, if you want to be like me, you have to become my brother. Which means you have to be born again. And I led him in a prayer of salvation, a prayer of dedication, and I led him in a prayer. Why was the most popular boy on campus? He was popular. He could sing. He, was, he had a wealthy father and mother. He was liked. Why would he walk after this? Nobody. He said, I want to be like you. I wasn't waiting for someone to tell me, do this or don't do this. Read or don't read. Just self-supervise. You do the right thing. They go can trust you to lead others. See, you can be a follower all you want. See, but God wants you to be a leader in the ministry you're in. Even if you're serving under a pastor. And he sees the way you do things. When nobody tells you, he will promote you. See? A leader is self-supervised. He doesn't need someone to tell him what to do. He does what is right. Are you aware that most of the billionaires in the world, when they worked with others, they were the first to resume, they were the last to leave? I can give you names. Just as some of them are not saved, I can give you names. Because these are universal principles. A principle is a universal law. It will work for anybody. It is of religion, faith, green, gender, race, color, or status. Self-supervised. We'll do what is right even when nobody's watching. 
think about it. Most of the billionaires in the world, when they were working with somebody, they were the first to get there and they will leave after their bosses have gone. Late in the night. Where you work, when everything comes down, are you the first to get there? Or are you always going to explain, sir, I'm very sorry I am late, sir. Uh, sir, it is, you will not go far. You'll be a follower throughout your life. But if God is going to trust you with leadership in any sphere, you must be able to lead yourself well. I saw an interview many years ago on TV. A man was being interviewed. And he said something that impressed me. He said, when he gets home, from 12 o'clock in the night, he switches off his phone because he wants to sleep. Then, he said something interesting. He said, he goes to work, hear me, he goes to work 6 a.m. in the morning. I was watching him. And this man was about to campaign for governorship in a particular state. And I said, he will win. Now, I didn't like his party. But I knew that with this discipline, with this order you have in your life, life will favor you. I'm self-leadership. You wake 6, 6 a.m. It's up and walks out. 6 a.m.? Are you aware that one of the the most influential lawyers in this country goes to his office. Is it 6 a.m.? Was it 6.30 in the morning? So you, you, you just started a business. You go to your office at 10. You call your bookshop, El Shaddai Bookshop, or, or Jehovah Provider, the mighty power of God, no matter what name you call it, if you are not diligent, you can't go far. Pastor, when do you wake up? When do you wake up? Jesus rose a great while before dawn. Self-supervised. Self-supervised. Not, baby, please wake me up to pray. What if she doesn't wake up? You will not wake up. Have you not said alarm before and the alarm rang and you use your hand to switch off the alarm and continue your sleep? Self-supervised, self-supervised. See, I'm showing you principles of self-leadership that if you practice them, you will succeed. Life will favor you. No matter how long it takes, you are heading to the topmost stop. In John 8, verse 29, Jesus said, He who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone. For I do, I always do those things that please him. Self-supervised. It's time to wake up. And begin to supervise yourself. Don't wait for someone to say that is wrong. If it's wrong, if you know it's wrong, stop it. So God can trust you with more authority. So God can trust you with power. There are many of you who could have gone far. But God said in his word, it's the hand of the diligent that will be a rule. It is in the hand of the Christian, the hand of diligence. If you're not diligent, there are certain things that God cannot entrust you with. There's going to be some discipline in your life. See, Paul says, I put my body under so I will not be disqualified. Do you know you can be disqualified for what God ordained you for? You can be disqualified. So wake up, child of God. Receive grace for self-discipline. 
Receive grace. Child of God, I have to stop here today. And we'll pick up tomorrow. And I'll show you certain things you put in place in your life. That are enjoying self-leadership. See, self-leadership. Because whatever you have done, you are empowered to tell others to do. See? I want to encourage you to begin to practice the principles of self-leadership. By your heads, please. Thank you for listening to this message. As we preach the full message of this new life, our goal is to raise the people who are like Jesus by exposing them to the influence of God's word and his spirit in an atmosphere of love so that they may be able to take the love of God, the word of God, and the healing power of God to every individual within their sphere of contact. For more information on how you can get other messages by Apostle David Wally Fessor, visit us at Charismatic Renaissance International Church, Kilometer 9 and 10, along Isaac Boro Expressway, Birobolo, Yenegua, Bayonso State. You can also visit our website at crichurch.org. Follow us on Facebook at Charismatic Renaissance or call 003-382-7072 or 005-120-4708. God bless you.